and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I am one of two Hannahs, Hannah Hart. And I'm Hannah Gelb. And today, in the age-old fashion of Mythbusters myth-busting, we are going to talk about seven pop psychology myths that we may or may not bust. Are they busted? Let's find out. Listen to the episode now. <laughs> Enjoy. Hi, my buddy. Hello, my buddy. Hello, so my good sweet to see your friend. Face. It's so good to see you. It feels I like mean, it's been so long. It has. It has been so long. I mean, I, I just, uh, I think we'll do like a, a longer update in our Patreon. But Hannah Gelb, very briefly, what? Uh, very briefly. No, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a, we are on a schedule, people. Ooh, maybe I'll set a timer. What about one minute? What about one minute? Could you do it in one minute? Oh, yeah. Go. Okay. Wait, okay, let me know right? when you're okay. Okay, I'm going to have getting a timer out. The question is, last time you were here, wait, what, what is the name of the episode that was the last time you were here? I mean, that you were able to, because what was it? Um, oh my gosh, I think it was the Bear Cycle. Oh, that was a great one. That's a great yeah, one. That was Sammy Davis, good, Bear yeah. Cycle, somewhere around there. Okay, Hannah Gelb, in one minute. Wait, let me look at the, ep- well, yeah, it, I think we have about a month to cover. A minute, a month in a minute. <clears throat> oh my goodness. How's the last month of your life been starting now? <gasps> okay, so let's see. Uh, a lot has changed or happened. I don't know. I went to Peru. It was magical. It was so magical. I want to live there now. Um, it was beautiful and the people were lovely and... Uh, it just was such a lovely, it's so important to travel, you know, because when I was there, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm just a, a person in the human chain. And like, my problems aren't so big. And like, this it's a big world out there. You know, it's big like, world. God, I have to leave the house sometimes. Um, mm. also I fully quit my job fully 20 seconds, fully, left. fully wish I could tell you guys that I'm the happiest I've ever been. Uh, life continues to be hard, but that's okay and as expected. Uh, What'd you do this morning? Uh, oh, I uh, have been doing some coffee, coffee gigging. So I uh, did some catering. Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, there. that's the timer. Oh, hey. So uh, that's what I've been doing. Um, Hannah Gelb has uh, much, much to say and much to update on in life. And we are really, really, really excited to hear about it, Uh, mainly because I love the fact that you are an excellent coffee connoisseur and that you make a good cup of joe and that you know how to make the lattes and the cappuccinos and blah, blah, blah. I do love I just love an opportunity to be snobby about something. Oh, yeah. And really interestingly, um, after quitting your day job, which was your desk job, quote unquote, um, and doing picking up this gig work in a catering place, you also said that you're making more money now? Uh, Yeah, it turns out um, hourly, I am getting paid more than I was at my previous full-time job. So... My God. That's... I don't know what to tell anybody. It's just... (laughs) it's a it's a you know what the world has no rules much like (laughs) much like they say in uh everything everywhere all the time all at once um 
googly eyes all the way. There, there are no rules. So just whatever you want to do, just do it. Try things. You know, Taika Waititi didn't do movies until he was 30. Boom. Oh, my God. I mean, that's great. He, he, did, he did get very lucky. But also, he just was like, I guess I'll try this now. Yeah. Um, uh, I definitely think we definitely need a Hannah on Hannah episode update under our book. So let's get that one. Because I also, I've also redirected my life path. But maybe we'll do that towards, <gasps> maybe, yeah, you know. So we'll, we'll get into that later. But because today, we are going to be going through this article. Or this outline that the wonderful, beautiful Becca Bot made. It is based off an article uh, that she found uh, that says, Seven Common Pop Psychology Myths You Might be spreading. <gasps> bum, 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 bum. Oh, absolutely, so, you are, <laughs> and absolutely, I am. And in fact, this uh, this outline, whew, I'll tell you what. I would say, spoiler alert: three out of the four things I think work. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna enjoy that. But um, let me read this little intro. We've we've all seen it. The article that showcases a new finding in the psychology world, usually on a low-stakes issue. It's clickbait because we want to know, can I really rewire my brain in three easy steps? Can I hack my own body to make it do the things I want, even when my past efforts have failed? Today, we're, looking, uh, we're taking a closer look at some pop psychology hits to see if they hold up when, or if they held up when put to the test. Oh, oh the minute timer just went off again. Oh, you good job, buddy. You did, you did that, that was more than a minute. one minute. It must have been a different timer. That was really weird. <laughs> who knows? All right. So what is up for reconsideration? Uh, the first pop psychology myth has to do with learning styles. And we have been told that people learn differently and students learn material better if the teaching method matches their learning style. So we right. have visual learners, oral learners, uh, or like auditory learners, reading and writing learners, and kinesthetic learners. Uh, turns out the later finding <laughs> was when people receive information in their preferred learning style, they feel they have learned it better, but they haven't actually the most effective pedagogic technique varies according to the type of material, not the student. And I was shocked to learn this and a little hurt because... This is based <laughs> off a 2016 study in the British Journal of Psychology. So just just for, just, you know, just to put that out there. This is through the lens of, uh, this is through the lens of that, you know. Of 2016, which was, we know, yeah. was a rough... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not when they're actively <laughs> diminishing education. What was her name? Betty Davos or what was that oh, name of that God, yeah. They're like, you know yeah. what? Kids don't learn anything. They're just tools for the machine. It doesn't matter if they absorb the material or not. What matters is what they produce uh, after it. Um, but Hannah Gelb, how does this, how does this make you feel? Because it makes me well, mad. Well, it makes me mad as well. It also um, makes, because I... You know, I know a few people who are teachers and the impression I get from them is they there is a one size fits all style of public education that like m f hurts and fails many <laughs> students. Um, yeah. 
But maybe that's really more to do with the fact that we live in a hellscape and we also fail just all humans. Like, it's not even like, oh, I can't learn this. It's like, I can't learn this because I don't have food and my dad's out of work. And also I have like a mental illness, but there's no mental health care in the schools. And you, my teacher who teaches me social studies, has to be a social worker, even though that's not Mm. your job. Um, yeah, but I still like, like, I don't see how, like, what, what, so like, what would they do? Like, if they're like, okay, we're teaching geology, what would they do differently? Or, yeah, I don't know. I, well, to, to conclude, I'm upset. Okay. So, um, what the study says is that the most effective pedagogic technique varies according to the type of material, not the type of student. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say that what they're saying is that, the but see this is what i but so this is what they're saying is that like the material being learned math science history english whatever um depending on what the material is that can be that should quote unquote be taught in a visual oral reading and writing or kinesthetic way so visual meaning images maps graphics oral meaning listening and speaking re, uh reading and writing as in taking notes reading something taking notes etc or kinesthetic tactile experiential learning Hannah, I completely agree with your first take on this is that I really don't, I don't understand how they could have gotten a control group for this study uh, that was accurate, you know, Mm, because mm -hmm. let's just look at like, let's just look at the role anxiety plays in retention. Mm -hmm. So if someone uh, is more responsive to absorbing information, right? So like when you're when you're when your lid is flipped, when your amygdala is firing, when you are upset and activated, you're not putting in long-term memory. It's not making it all the way to the back, you know? It's mm-hmm. making it in short-term immediate response memory, you know, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. have you ever had a fight with someone and they said this, they're like, "Well, then you said this." And you're like, "I don't remember saying that." Mm-hmm. Or if you've ever mm-hmm. gone through a meeting and you're um upset about something, and later on, you're like, oh, what? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's mm. not. So, but whatever, not a meeting. Meeting's a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is that I don't understand how you could create an all things being equal scenario with humans and children. Well, yeah, that's an excellent point. Because even if. To conduct because the study. It, yeah, because it still, it still is assuming okay, there's a set of kids who are visual and they're all at this one, they're all in this space. There's a set of kids who are audio and they're all in, you know what I mean? Like they're all at the starting line, but it's like, they're not all at the starting line. They're not all at the starting line. Some of them are exhausted or like, yeah, didn't get any sleep or have a, you know, like uh, they may be audio, but also have ADHD or like, so... Yeah, yeah, it's confusing, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm sure if we read more about the study and how they determined their con- control group, uh, we'd, we'd learn more if we read more about it. However, that being said, I can see this as a real hurdle to this being, like, conclusive. Um, I also just have, I don't know, maybe it's because it says it's British, but I also just have this, like, um, mass production, uh, like, rejection instinct, which is, like, just because you can't replicate the results at scale doesn't mean learning styles don't exist. Like, uh, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, you know, and I, I just don't know. And also it doesn't take into like, 
Like one time Ella was diagnosed with high blood pressure because she was nervous every time she went to the doctor's office. Mm. And so they're like, when she took her blood pressure at home, her blood pressure was totally normal. But at the doctor's office, it was always high. So they were Mm -hmm. like, you have high blood pressure. Look at Mm -hmm. this. But she could Mm. never replicate the results at home. Dang, yeah. It's like, you know what? Maybe all the schools just teach terrible, terrible, terrible information. Doesn't have anything to do with learning style. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. know. Gosh, that's interesting. (laughs) And it's also very strange because like, you know, science is so... When, when when you do science classes and it's like, oh, they're going to retain this information because look at this experiential visual thing. I honestly did not learn it. Like every time there was something like happening in the room that involved like, look at this fire or look at this thing or look at this, this. The lesson was gone to me, completely mm-hmm. gone. I did not mm-hmm. take in any of it. Mm-hmm. And I define myself as an experiential learner. So right there is an example where, in fact, the learning style did not help because I was so distracted by getting zapped in my hands mm-hmm. that I was like, whoa, whoa. Huh? Yeah. Current? Yeah. And you were probably like, you know, sharing some jokes with your buds in class. And you're just like, oh, my God, I'm 16. Ah! Like, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> like I think you just have to be. It has to be exciting. Like, it just has to be. I have. But then sometimes if it's exciting, it's distracting. In that example, I don't remember so much of my science classes. I don't know. It's interesting. uh, It's definitely an interesting thing. I feel like the best way I learned things is visually and experientially, but then also orally, but not readingly. I uh, I just feel like I, I have to, I have to have been invested and the teacher had to be good. Not good. Like not just, just also interested in teaching what they were teaching i mean i took an economics class do you know what i remember from economics huh uh there is no such thing as a free lunch that's it i don't remember anything else and i had it for two hours on wednesdays once a week in high school and also monday and tuesday and friday (laughs) like (laughs) definitely not thursday though no, that was when we had other. That was when we had our block days where you had like oh, really long. Oh periods. yeah, I remember that. Oh god, terrible. But then again, okay, <laughs> Hannah. Know. But this is another good example proving that the article says the pedagogic technique varies according to the type of material. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but how can very, yeah? This is dangerous sucks. for me because I just want to like sink back into like nothing is real. You know, like. Don't we need our pop psychology myths to assume we have some semblance of control? Let's wait. Okay, so so let's I, try. Yes, so in, yes, we do. I think we. In need terms of to... this first one, mm-hmm. learning styles. In terms of this first myth, quote unquote, that the idea is that students learn material better if the teaching method matches their learning style. I suppose that when I say learning styles, I. I'm going to say I agree now with this because I didn't realize that I was changing the learning style based on the type of material. For instance, in like my literature and philosophy classes and history classes, I was absorbed when they were just speaking it to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then if it's a bad speaker, 
Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I hate I all of this. I don't think we can determine anything. And also, pop psychology helps us imagine that there are patterns in the world that make sense. And <laughs> but the, the, but the, here's the thing, man. If somebody was going to sit there and talk to me about math, I would not pick up any of it and would need visual. So, mm-hmm. oh my god! But in I terms don't think. Handle- but who could? But who? What human can just hear about math and be like, oh yeah? Well, see, that's what the study is saying, is that somebody who is an oral and auditory learning style, even if they say they have a learning style, just hearing about math isn't enough. So it depends on but the type see, of material. Yeah. No, I think I think it's... Shit. Yeah. It's, uh, math I'm going to go... inherently visual. Like, I just don't... Like, you know? Yeah, no, I do. I do know. You're right. So you're right. They should teach math visually and speak the words auditorily well i'm less mad at this study now and more just mad at education again so in terms of my personal analysis <laughs> uh i would say that it, learning styles are in fact not a pop psychology myth but in fact are a variable that should be factored in i, I yes i agree and also yeah i would not say from now on Learning styles is bullshit. Like, no, no, no. I, I do. I think there's some, some, some truth What there. is a learning style without a teaching style? Ah, yes. Ah! You know, I mean, they, they are one, if they are one in the same, that you just got to match them up, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like that. But to be, I, I guess that like my analysis is like, oh, okay, I get that. So, damn. Okay, well, let's see if we can get mad about the other ones. And we'll check if we can get mad about the other ones right after this. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about pop psychology myths, and I know that Hannah does not want to get off course today, but this also makes me want to talk about just pop myths in general. Like that one about how, like, everybody eats, like, three spiders a year. People love to say that, you know? Yeah, that is true. (laughs) Anyways, on to number two. (laughs) (laughs) On to number two, power stance. The idea, power posing will make you feel bolder, elevate your testosterone, decrease cortisol, and increase willingness to make risky bets? Wait, why I don't do I want to elevate my testosterone? <laughs> why do I want to make risky bets? Uh, okay, let's ignore that. Here's my definition of power stance. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, instead of shrinking in, putting your shoulders back. And this is like a therapeutic technique. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's see. Let's let me just see what this thing says and then we'll get into it. So I'll read this one. Okay. Um, this article defines power stances as stand with feet apart and hands on hips. Stand with feet apart and hands outstretched. Sit with legs on the desk. That's a different <laughs> definition of power stances uh, than I've ever heard. Here we go. The original study was pretty small. Larger study at a later date could not replicate the results. The original so scientists mean- protested that 33 studies found a power pose effect, but those 33 studies were reviewed by objective parties and they were determined to have evidence too weak to call it proven. Huh? Okay, so hmm. how do we feel about power stances? I, I have a experiential evidence, but could, could go ahead. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I, w- I would say that this is, uh, I don't see how this could work beyond a placebo effect or like a, if you think it works, then it works. And right. if you don't think it works, then it doesn't work. Like <laughs> Correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, if, if standing with your shoulders back makes you feel better, then mm-hmm. it works. If And I, I can see how like, um you know, like I definitely, if caught myself in like uncomfortable situations or conversations or meetings or whatever like I'll be like oh I am literally trying to become small and like shrinking in on myself and have my like hands in my like my lap in and your lap I, like, like a little good act- girl exactly exactly fuck that so if I actively I'm like oh okay then I do feel I think I do feel better but I don't know if I would ever like wake up in the morning and then be like power stance <laughs> Unless um, by power stance, you mean the pose that Sailor Moon makes when she transforms. I mean, she could. Yeah, that's, that, that's, uh, yeah I think it would feel great. Um, I actually do. You got, now that I'm back doing coffee stuff, I, uh, I like to say barista powers activate. Barista um, powers activate. <laughs> here's here's my analysis. Just to give myself that, uh, that little boost. That's some pop psychology for you. Sorry, okay. Hey, Sorry. Here's why I think it works. Uh, <laughs> yes. Because humans... What they are not accounting for in this is that we are such sedentary creatures now that so many people have lost a connection to their body because they have to Mm -hmm. desensitize the connection to their body to sit in a chair for eight hours a day or stand at a register for eight hours a day, blah, 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 blah. So power stances I really, really believe in because when you are giving your body the signals of if your mind is interpreting itself as being threatened. And your body is responding to the threat by mimicking the pose. Then you're creating a cycle where you're like, I am threatened. I am small. 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 Mm -hmm. And in that, your actions will be affected by that. Like, remember what we learned in the bear cycle? Like, beliefs reinforce your action. Beliefs enforce emotions, which result in actions, which cause results, which lead back to reinforcing your beliefs. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. stretching is good for you. How can a power stance not have an effect on you when it's basically stretching? Right. And it is movement of any kind. (laughs) Of any kind. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I uh, mean, they say literally like five seconds of exercise is better than no. None. No exercise. So so you know what's exercise? Standing is exercise versus sitting. Look, my mom, I love her so much. She is a, 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 a very sedentary person, right? Um, and I, I ask her to walk and to stand up and move around. 
because to just sit you know I'm just like just make sure you're standing like every four hours please just stand up every two hours please she does a mile walk a day which is really great um but then that's literally it uh but that being said like just being connected to your body is powerful uh therefore I analyze power stances as being 10 out of 10 very important I believe it. Pull your shoulders back. Give yourself confidence. Show. Be brave by being vulnerable. Expose your your soft innards to the world. Yeah, I would even take it a step further. Like do that power stance and then go into like your favorite musical number. Like yes. on the bus, in the office, at the yes. coffee shop. Just be like, I'm here. And then you can be like, the phantom of the opera is there. You will make other people happier because they'll be like, mm-hmm. what is happening right now? I have been pulled out of my normal comatose state because someone is singing in the coffee shop. <laughs> and last but not least, sitting with legs on the desk, I have never heard of that as a power stance. But maybe that's just saying to someone who has to do a lot of reading, like if you have to read a lot and you're holding a printout. I feel like that's only a power stance if there is someone across the desk that you are like trying to intimidate or something. Well, that's not power then. That's just aggression. (laughs) Well, some people would call that power. For example, Jordan Peterson. Ah, very good point. Very good point. Famous (gasps) dick. Famous um, ass, famous asshole, Jordan Peterson. Let's do. Let's do. Okay, uh, yeah. Hannah, Let's what's your analysis of power stances? I'm pro power. My stance. analysis is if you enjoy it and you it makes you feel good, fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. I and I stand by what I said about um, also bursting into song. I agree. Unless someone finds it distracting, people are different. Unless, from each unless other. you're like in a library, because mm-hmm. that is a. You know, people are a pre-designated inappropriate <laughs> venue for bursting into song, madam. You are in the library. OK, mm-hmm. Hannah, will you walk us through our next myth? Yes. And I can tell you that this one will make me mad. OK, <laughs> the yeah. next myth. Smiling, just the physical act of smiling makes you happy. <laughs> the idea uh-huh. we were given holding a pen between the teeth to force a smile caused people to find cartoons funnier than when they held a pen between their lips. The later finding in a bigger study was it didn't hold up. Is the pen to blame? What's going on <laughs> with smiling? How do we feel about this one? This is so funny because I literally was doing a guided meditation yesterday and I was like in a very kind of depressed and anxious state and it was like did, like meditation for depression and then it was like okay the first thing i want you to do is pull your lips back into a smile and then i was like fuck you and turned it off so Mm -hmm. i think i think this is on a case by case i feel like i've 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 heard this often and have tried it like if i'm really sad just forcing myself to smile and then it kind of like compounds like it might make me think of something funny but then there's times when just when like if you're in a certain mood or place and someone's like well have you tried smiling i'd be like have you tried shutting up yeah Mm -hmm. Um, i'm gonna go ahead and say i'm gonna uh, yeah i agree hannah but not the shutting up part (laughs) just not not my words but i agree in that if you suffer from chemical depression smiling Mm -hmm. will not help as much as you wish Like, if you have a chemical predisposition, if you are lacking serotonin, for instance, oh, man, by the way, serotonin and 
reuptake inhibitors. I, it's just so it's fascinating stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I think smiling makes you happy if someone's smiling back at you. Like when I go on a walk and I'm like walking Luna, I'm usually when I'm out in the world, I am smiling and I get more smiles back because I have a happy face on. And mm-hmm. seeing people smile at me makes me happy. And then I smile more. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But no, if I'm like chemically depressed, I, oh God, just the thought of trying to wedge a smile on my face. Oh God. Yeah. In fact, the whole, like the, I mean, I feel like. It's not going to reach your eyes. Pen between the teeth. (laughs) It's not even going to get up to like past your laugh lines. I mean. No. Now, I feel like the, the joy and the beauty of the smile is that it's involuntary. It exists at all. And when you see other people doing it, it triggers a reaction in you. But to be like, well, just force it up there. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, uh, I guess if being forced to do something doesn't make you feel upset. Plus, I've also tried the smile thing, but I do it when uh, I don't want people to perceive how upset I am. <laughs> Uh, I just I uh, smile I smile as a defense mechanism um, mm, that's not mm-hmm. uh, uh, no so how do we feel about this one I'm gonna say busted <laughs> I'm gonna you know what dude I'm gonna also say busted 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 okay next uh, this one one two three wow okay here we go next finite willpower Wow. Okay, I've never heard of this, so let's see what this definition says. Finite willpower. The idea we are given, if you draw on your willpower to do one thing, you'll have less of it to resist other temptations later. You may also hear it as ego depletion. Example, if you resist buying something you really want in the afternoon, you're more likely to give in to choosing the more indulgent dessert choice later that night. Okay. Is so, this is this the same as uh decision fatigue a little bit? Oh. I bet. It sounds like it could be. It sounds like decision fatigue is the real part, but finite willpower, which I've never heard of. But how is this a pop psychology? Well, anyway, the later finding. Lab studying nearly 2000 participants found that the draining self-control in one task had close to zero effect on people's capacity for self-control in a subsequent task. Um, <clears throat> so finite willpower, the idea that willpower is finite. Uh, I do not believe that. Uh, I've never heard of that. I, I have experienced fatigue just at the end of the day. I think that this is ego depletion. Interesting. Hannah, what do you, what's, your, what's your take? Uh- I would say bust it because I enjoy saying that in that style. And also because yeah. um, I think it's too, well, at least the this information that we have is too simple because I feel like, especially in the last five to 10 years, like the idea of like discipline or willpower is really not the issue it seems it's more like resource more like how are you what is your relationship with the thing that needs Mm -hmm. to get done or like and also what is your relationship with yourself like even if you're like i really want to do this thing if you're like 
fucking asshole do this thing Mm -hmm. you're gonna really not have a lot of energy because that's so draining Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like man at night i really crave sugar i strongly 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 crave sugar at night mm -hmm. that craving is not a moral is not it's neither good nor bad it's something to note about yourself, which is like, I have a really hard time resisting sugar at night. Well, there might be a biochemical reason why you get into a very craving sugar state at night. You might be really sad because you hate your roommates <laughs> and sugar makes you feel good. Like, I don't know, yeah. man. There's so yeah. many X factors. It's right. You know, that's a really good point, dude, is that and I have to have this pointed out to me all the time is there is no reason to make um there's there none nothing requires a moral judgment Correct. and i feel like that has to be i have to remind myself of that all the time because i'll just oh, be like 100%. well i'm i'm bad like i'm just yeah. bad for like if you're like being a human being who's alive with yeah. a body like yeah what? And it's like the willpower aspect um so if you've hated your life all day long and then at night you're just like, fine, I'll eat it. But you've been told by the doctor, oh, you're pre-diabetic. You can't eat sugar at night. It's going to really mess you up. Then it becomes a, quote, a, a more of a, like, then it enters into the, like, love place, like, self-love place, which I think could be stated in moral, like, in terms of, like, well, for my physical health, I need to resist, I need to Find another outlet that's not sugar at night to meet the needs that I'm having regularly, mm, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's that I think it takes more into like the self-care category. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's a little room for good or bad there, you know, like, a uh, little. like, like, but I good. hate those terms. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah and and that, that's it's tough because I think that dichotomy of good and bad is just so ingrained in our society it, they, like we're like well if you're poor you're weak and lazy <laughs> if you're you know just like all these things that just kind of seem to be good and bad like, only exists within the like if there's a parenthetical next to it that says like for me for mm -hmm. my health mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. i'm really trying to resist sugar at night because mm -hmm. for, of my health, because my body can't take the amount of sugar I'm eating on a regular basis at night. That right. can like, you I'm know what I mean? Being, I'm being a good parent to myself. If yeah. I had a child, I would not be like, yeah, you can eat whatever you want because I don't give a fuck. I'd be like, no, I want you to live. Yeah, and if you had a child and they were like, your child is pre-diabetic, what do they do? And you're like, oh, they do eat a lot of sugar and then fall asleep. <laughs> you're like, well, I do... I do just give them whatever they ask for all the time. Um, yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. they only eat drumsticks. Those, um, yeah, yeah. Ice so cream um, <laughs> finite willpower. I'm gonna say busted. Uh, I'm gonna say exhaustion, decision fatigue, real. <laughs> yeah, because I do find if you do like if I I don't know make my bed, that is technically something that requires willpower, but the doing it. Is more, it makes me more energized, usually. I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, I do 100%. Thing. I make my bed every day. It's very important to me. It's really important to me. Mm -hmm. It's movement. Mm -hmm. It makes me really happy when I go to bed at night. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not a myth up here. I guess they didn't. Or, or Well, I don't know. Because we have three myths left that we're going to check out <gasps> right after this. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. We have three pop psychology myths left to bust or not. So, Hannah Gelb, why don't you take us into our next one? Yes, it is called the Lady Macbeth effect. And I did did read this last night (gasps) and was very confused. Um... Okay, the Lady Macbeth effect (laughs) is this idea. People who are doing bad stuff will be really excited about cleaning their bods. (laughs) Whoa. Wait a minute. Wait, so, oh, okay. I'm sorry, cleaning their what? Cleaning their Their, their bods as in bodies? so, So this is like, oh, I've been doing morally ambiguous tasks all day. I really want to take a shower. That's the idea, I guess. Okay, read it to me. So, read me this read me this highlighted section. This is extrapolated from the fact that people in a study copied a sabotage story by hand and afterward found hygiene products more desirable than people who copied a story about helping people. Oh, interesting. Okay. The later finding. It didn't hold up. Extrapolating is not real life. Study people doing bad things and washing. If you want to talk about people doing bad things and washing. I have never heard about this Lady Macbeth effect. I mean, the only way I could extrapolate on this one is that if I have, um, let's say, rolled around you know me let's say i've had a little too much drink you know let's say i've crawled on some tables let's say i've i've spilt some drinks let's say i've made a mess then yeah the next day i definitely a will feel shitty because the uh imbalance of chemicals in my brain and body then b i probably am a little dirty so washing is good i like to wash just in general like a, a a shower is always it's like a good refresh yeah, you know, I like, if you're like I love washing my hands now that I've learned how to wash them properly. Apparently, maybe I just haven't done enough uh, nefarious deeds. I feel like I really can't speak to this one very much because I'm like, what am, I'm trying to think of like the <laughs> what is some like across the board bad quote unquote deed I have done and then afterward been like, oh god, out. <laughs> damn spot i must wash my hands <laughs> i too have never i i too have never thought i i have never had this experience either either which like, is why you, i guess it's paired with the other two uh pop psychology myths that are here as well because uh i don't think there's much to say about this except yeah except we're not the right people to ask you'd have to ask jeffrey epstein whoops can't <laughs> sorry that was dark um <laughs> whatever uh (laughs) you know people of that caliber (laughs) yeah and hey whatever happened to all those people like on those lists of like you know i don't whatever uh there's no accountability uh uh. okay (laughs) let's move on to the next one okay so that uh, i'm gonna say lady Macbeth effect busted i'm gonna put this in the category of never heard of it and busted Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it in the, in the category of only applies to like 6% of the population. Yeah, probably. There you go. Okay, next. Big Brother is watching. Okay, so here's the idea. The idea we were given 
eyes in the artwork will make people behave better within the honor system than when the artwork isn't watching them. Later finding. This was proven in a small study. A bigger study could not replicate it. How do we feel about this? Uh, huh. I don't... I can't say... So here, this is another behavior-based... This is giving me yuck again. I'm like, is this why people... Like, that eyes on you will make you behave differently? But, like, inanimate well, uh, eyes? I do think... Uh, yeah. So my mind goes to the general idea of knowing you're being watched. Does that make you behave differently? And I would say probably yes. Yeah, by um, a living thing, not but an inanimate like, object. But I, I got all these eyes know, looking at me right now. Specifically, eyes in the artwork. Okay, well here's a here's a fun experiment. Look at um, all those eyeballs. I could do. Um, what if I just put like a ton of googly eyes all over my wall? Does that count or does it have to have a face? <laughs> eyes without a face. <laughs> I don't know, Hannah. I really don't know. Um, oh, that sounds like cool decor. I want to try does this sound now. Like, yeah, I like it. I am pro googly eyes in a big, I'm big so way. I'm so pro googly eyes, especially after watching Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, I know. Great movie, You know guys. we should do an episode. Our next episode should be shows we loved, movies we loved, and just do a, like a little <gasps> fun. We've spent all this time yes. talking about pop psychology. Let's give pop culture a shot. You know? Ah! Uh, uh, Hannah Hart, you have just such a good wordsmith. Oh, thank you, my friend. Take us into our last myth so we can get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is... That's not it. It's above Definitely that. a myth. Okay. Or, okay, I go. mean, this is this is definitely a pop psychology thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm so in. Uh, wear red to attract a mate. The idea we were given, men find women in red sexier than women in other colors. The later finding, small study strikes again could not be replicated in the much larger study. How do we feel about this one? I'm going to go ahead and say every man is a complex human being created out of a thousand factors. There is absolutely no way that all of them could possibly think that red is the best color for a woman to wear. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say people respond to colors in different ways based off both their experiences they've had with those colors in the past and the way light affects their brains. <laughs> That's a so, good point. Did, did they yeah. even consider colorblind people? <laughs> or did they even consider like, yeah, like people respond to color and light differently and light and color are connected. So you cannot do a study about color without also perceiving how your synapses are responding to light. And not all stimulation is good stimulation. Also, uh, uh, that's all I have to say that's, about that. Wearing red <laughs> to attract a mate. Huh. Yeah, I'd never wear red, but that's just me. I just, I mean, I, this has a little red in it, a little pop of it's color a, right here. No, it's just not, it's just like not one of my, uh... Go-to. I feel like both of us, both of us prefer like a blue or a green. I do wear you know, red when I'm going to a meeting. Like a, oh. like if I'm trying to do something professional, I will wear a brighter, more strong, eye-catching color. Like I wouldn't wear this muted navy shirt. Oh, so that is like so that's like a something. different avenue of pop psychology. Like we're wearing like a brighter red is like like I mean business. Yeah, but I feel better, so it's about mm -hmm. me, and I'm and, and if I feel better, I will conduct better business. Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
Like you can't, nobody can, you can't tell what's going to go on in somebody else's head. Wow. Okay, Hannah, let's go through these wrap up questions. I'm very proud of us. This has been very fun and delightful. Thank you, Becca Bot, for putting this outline together. Hannah, here's a question I have. Yes, my friend. What gives pop psychology things like this higher stakes? You mean what makes people, why do we want to believe them so badly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we just, you know, even if on some level you're, you kind of know that you don't really believe it, it just is, it's a little cushion Mm -hmm. between yourself and the reality of the world, which Mm -hmm. is, it is all chaos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some small semblance of control could calm, Pattern, order, calm the spirit, calm the mind. Predictability. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's just Comfort, comforting. The familiar. Comforting. Yeah. So yeah, I think so I think that the benefit of such silly, silly things as listed here in pop psychology is that it encourages you to try new things. And to not be so singular in your interactions if you are not satisfied with the results, you know? But whether or not you're satisfied with the results is self-knowledge. So if pursuing a path of different pop psychology myths gives you the gift of self-knowledge, what you do with that self-knowledge, whether you ignore it or you accept it or whatever, is entirely up to you. So... My wrap-up is, doesn't matter to me. Do what works for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of there with you, buddy. I feel like uh, there's no, if you, for example, see that thing that wants you to click on it, that's like five ways to like be a better person. There's no reason to get bogged down by it or immediately go into all the reasons why you think you should be a better person. You can be like, that's... That is part of this cultural offering at the moment. It does not, it's not a universal truth at all. If Mm -hmm. that was true, we wouldn't have, you know, philosophy and writing going back to like Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of years. An article that says five ways to make you a better person. And then when you read it, you feel bad and sad. If you were bad, felt bad and sad beforehand and you feel bad and sad after reading it, don't read it again. Don't, yeah, don't be yeah. Like, Look at this definitive and, truth on this random website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my God. And uh, I have been absolutely guilty of, of doing that. Oh, <laughs> like, Kelby, of, no. Of reading random list by person I don't know who's like, oh, yeah, you know that age-old fucking question of, like, what matters in life and how to live your life? Oh, uh, we got it in five five bullet points if you... Well, check this out. And I'm like, oh, my, oh God. my God, it's so obvious. <laughs> but then you get to fulfill uh, your desire to feel less than. So, hey, win, win again. No, I, I well, tried you to get turn to that. You, uh, you get to talk about it on hey. a podcast. There you go, Gelby. Speaking of podcasts, make sure you like, rate, and review this podcast. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe to it. And if you want to um, hang out with us over at patreon.com slash this, that's also great. Uh, please send us your thoughts about the ideas we reviewed. Do these seem bunk? 
yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah but- what are what are your favorite pop psychology myths or just your favorite myths in general? I would love yeah, to know. What myths work the magic in you? Let us know mm-hmm. online. And remember, uh, self-knowledge <laughs> is the fruit of all power, the seed of all power. You are the fruit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that forever. Forever.com slash now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Have a great day. Goodbye.